Welcome to the Photography Q&A podcast. Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 31 of the Photography Q&A podcast. Okay, so this week we're doing family portraits. Like many other photographers, I've done my fair share of family portraits. I enjoyed about 50% of the time and I was wondering why the heck I was doing it the other 50% of the time. But when I got home and I'm in front of the computer and I'm editing the images, I love it. It seemed like a better time than it was. You'll be amazed at some of the shots you get, even though you think you're not having a good time. It, sometimes it did feel like I was trying to pull teeth, just trying to get people to look at the camera and smile. You've always got someone in the family, like everyone looks at the camera and the other one's looking up in the air or looking down the driveway or whatever. But if you've got Photoshop skills, that shouldn't be a problem. I always knew if I could get the kids laughing... It was going to be fun. I always had candy for them, a little, you know, few gummies, gummy bears, whatever I could get my hands on. And I would always show them what I've got and tell them that if they do a good job, they will get them at the end. You'll be amazed how it turns a kid around. You get the odd kid that wants them right away, but you have to explain to them, no, the nice photographer's not going to give them to you unless you're a good boy. The other thing as well, getting control of animals. A lot of people would include their family dog or dogs. The simple way to go about dogs is have some dog treats. The smellier the better. The dog will not run off, it'll run to you. If you put a tiny piece of their food, you show it them and then put it on top of your lens hood or if you're not using a lens hood just on top of your lens and take the picture, that dog will stare at the camera. It really works, trust me. I've also put it on top of my head before now. It helps being bald, so I can stick a piece on, the dog can still see. It's no good. If you've got a full head of hair, don't think about putting it on your head. Unless you're wearing a hat, then maybe that might work. Okay, so let's start with equipment. For family portraits, you can use an entry-level body and still get great results. One thing you do need is good quality lenses. So you need one or two lenses or one good zoom. Your 18-55 kit lens isn't comparable to a 2.8 zoom or a 1.4 or 1.8 prime lens. There's, it's no competition. Don't even think about it. You're just not going to be as good. Now, it doesn't need to be expensive when you're starting out. Buy a 50mm lens, a 1.8 50mm lens. You can get those at the moment if you're shooting Canon or Nikon for about 150 bucks, or you can buy used for, say, $80 plus, in that range, $80 to $100. They're excellent lenses and take super sharp images. You won't have a problem with them. They're excellent. So if your camera is a cropped sensor, like an entry-level camera has a cropped sensor, a slightly smaller sensor inside, your ideal focal length will be 50 millimeters. So that's 50 millimeters times the 1.6 multiplier. That comes to around 80 millimeters. So it's, it's the right kind of length for doing portraits. For full-framed cameras, your perfect length is 85. You can get 85 millimeter 1.8 primes they'll work great. I'm not sure what the price of those. I know Canon used to be around somewhere between 350 and 400 for an 85. But if you've got a crop sensor, you just use a 50 mil and you can only spend 150 maximum. If you want to go down the road of zoom lenses, then the 24 to 17 millimeter 2.8 is perfect. It's got everything you need, but they are expensive. Two and a half thousand dollars is a about right for a Canon. I'm not sure what the Nikons are now. They used to be comparable. You can get third-party ones, so like 
Tamron or Sigma. They're excellent. Sigma are pretty expensive now. They never used to be. Tamron will be a cheaper option, and I think they have a really good one as well. Don't rule out a 70 to 200 millimeter zoom lens. As a portrait lens, it is excellent. They give amazing results. They are no good if you're going to be shooting a, a family of five and you're getting close. You're just not going to get them in even at 70 millimeters. That's where the 24 to 70 comes in. But the 70 to 200, if you're doing outside portraits of a single person or just a couple headshots outside, it's a beautiful lens. You get some amazing results. So when my daughter started, she used a Canon 60D. We got it used and that has a crop sensor, a smaller sensor and it's multiplier to bring it up to the full frame size is 1.6. So the lenses that she had for her little business were the 50mm 1.8, which she bought used. I think we got it for 80 bucks. And then she got a 24mm little pancake lens. It's a 24mm 2.8 which was perfect for her just to get the odd group shop. She started doing a few small weddings, nothing major, just three, four hour maximum weddings with 25, 30 people there. So the groups weren't huge and the 24 were excellent for her. I think the 24 pancake cost her about, you know, like she's shooting Canon, that cost about $160. That's about three or even four years ago now, maybe. I think the race is still around the same price. And the 50, like I say, she bought used for $80. The 50 was her main lens. She did pretty much 95% of it. Like I say, she just used the 24 just for the, the wider stuff to get wider groups in. Something else you want to consider is using a tripod. Now, I never did. And I am thinking differently now because I've just bought a tripod. So I'm thinking differently. But you will get higher success rate. The problem is with a tripod, you can use it for all the posed still shots where no one's moving around it's all posed and you know but as soon as the kids start running around you want to go handheld okay so let's move on to getting customers as a portrait photographer you definitely need a website and it's going to let your customers your potential customers see your portfolio and contact you and it's going to give them an image of you and your business so once you've got your website set up whether you go with Squarespace, Wix, or you go with a photography one like SmugMug or PixieSet, I would personally go with SmugMug or PixieSet because they're just set up for you. It's excellent. Personally, I always build my own websites. Always have done. So it's not a problem for me. But if you don't build websites, I would go with SmugMug or PixieSet. And if there's any more out there, please let me know and I'll uh, start talking about them. So... Getting customers, you need to get listed in Google My Business, and that covers you just your area. You need to live in the area or your business is based in that area. It's free, and it'll put you at the top of the search page when someone searches in your area for a photographer. So all you've got to do is do a Google search for Google My Business and then give them all the information you need and apply. It's free of charge, and it's the best thing you can do. It will get people to your website, and that's what it's all about. Facebook is your next place to visit. As a portrait photographer, you need to set up a page for your business. Now, I've just done one to link to the group for my podcast so that people now can listen to podcasts on Facebook. It doesn't give me an awful lot of listens uh, compared with all the rest, but it's going to get big because just the size of Facebook is huge. So, But if you are dealing with people in your area, get a Facebook page. 
and people can come on and like it and you can promote things through your page. You don't need a group, just a, a Facebook page for your business. Make sure you join as many Facebook groups as you can. Well, you know, not like 30 or 40, but somewhere between 5 and 10, I would say. Different Facebook groups in your area, whether it's single moms in your town, medical staff in your town, anything to do with your town, join that group and chat with people. If you don't know much about the subject, ask questions about that subject. Just make sure that they know that you are a photographer and that you do family portraits. All families think about it. All mothers think about getting portraits done. Fathers maybe not so much, but mothers definitely do. Bit sexist that, but it's true. Get on there, chat with people and ask them for help. When you do a photo shoot, now you're going to have to get permission from the people that are in your photo shoot so that you can show their pictures. But edit three or four pictures, put them up and say, okay, I, I can't make my mind up which one's the better of the image, which ones do you like the most? And people love giving opinions and they will tell you exactly what they think and get them to vote on it. And uh, I guarantee the people that are answering your question are going to start using you at some point. I'll consider it anyway. So when you ask the people in the photo shoot if you can use their images, remember you need a, a model release form signed. I've got examples on the website, 15millimeterframework.com, and you can download them in the members area. It's free to sign up for the members. There's no charge. Okay, next is posing. It really does get easier the more you do it. I started off like most photographers, lining a family up in a straight line and capturing the world's worst image. Try staggering heads, that is in height-wise and front to back. So some people are closer to you and some are further away. Not like six feet or anything, but just 12 inches, just standing just behind someone's shoulder. Don't have people on the left small going to the tallest on the right. Break them up, put the tall guy in the middle, get him to sit down even. Stagger people around them, make it interesting, not a straight line. If your subjects are standing, get them to bend the legs. Put one leg in front of the other. Putting a thumb through a belt loop or into a pocket works really well. It just bends their arm. You don't want people with their hands flat to the side and the legs dead straight. It, there's no interest in it. Just break it up a little bit. Instead of standing straight and staring at the camera, get them to turn their hips a little bit, like 45 degrees. Also, avoid taking photos of the soles of people's feet. If someone is on the ground, get them to turn their legs away from the camera. You don't want them with the soles of the feet showing. I've seen somewhere, someone, they still had the price on the bottom of the shoes. It really took away from the image a little bit. That It didn't look too good. Okay, if your subjects have body issues, use poses that flatter them. Now, it's, it, this is easier said than done. It's not easy. Like, if someone is bigger and they're conscious of it, like some people are bigger and they just don't care. Great. Don't worry about it. Go for it. But the vast majority of us have something that they don't want the world to see. They're constantly trying to hide it. Whether it's a big nose, a big belly, you know, more than one chin. Whatever it is that we've got, we want it hidden a little bit. So there's ways to do it. Shoot from a slightly elevated position and you can help hide someone's double chin. And the same for large noses as well if you do that. Tend not to shoot. If someone's got a great big nose and they seem conscious of it, don't shoot them from the side because it'll just exaggerate the size of the nose. Now, tummies, if someone's got a large tummy or even if they don't, some people are so conscious of 
the slightest thing. Like a, someone's tummy, don't photograph them if you can see that they're if they're worried about it. You can see it in the face when you're taking the picture. If they're not happy, you're gonna see it in the picture. So if someone's, you know, they're sitting on a chair, put their hands across their tummy. Just turn them slightly and maybe bring a knee up and put place their arms across their tummy. Hide what they are conscious of. Help them. And you'll see it in the face once they feel confident. It's just a game changer. It's really pretty cool once you realize that this is something you should be doing. So I posted a video of this in the Facebook group. Now, this is, what's today? The 20th of November, I think it is. 2021 if you listen to this later it might not be around i might pin it to the top just to help people i saw a, a video that someone had posted i don't know if it was on tiktok or or instagram but someone had put it on facebook so i put it in the group and she does just the simplest things to make the images more flattering and it was all about legs arms tummies chins and making shapes with the arms not having a straight arm bending arms and it's You've got to see it. So if it if it's 2022, I'll, I'll try and keep it up there as long as I can. <laughs> Probably till uh, the middle of 2022. So have a look at the Facebook group. It's on there. It's only three minutes long, but it is powerful if you're a photographer. It really is. So if, even if you just take selfies, use this. It's It really is very good. So next we've got lighting. All right. Shooting outdoors is difficult most of the time. You'd think it's going to be easy, but controlling shadows is the thing. Direct sunlight causes so many problems with shadows. You can lighten the shadows on faces in Photoshop. I've done it myself, but it's really tedious and it, you know, it's not the best thing to be doing with your images. When the sky is overcast, that is ideal for photography. Not always, but if you don't want shadows on faces and you do pictures in an over, on an overcast day... You won't get any shadows because the sun's not hitting the face and creating a shadow on the other side. It's like the world, well, it is the world's biggest softbox. It's not like it, it is. It's just this huge softbox. The light is just perfect. Okay, so to get rid of the shadows on a sunny day, you're going to use flash. Off-camera flash is best because you can position it on the side where the shadows are. And you're going to be amazed how good the photos are when you use flash on an outdoor shoot. You could use a reflector. Reflectors are excellent for this. You sometimes need someone to hold it if it's a breezy day, or you can set it up on a little stand or a tripod or, or anything really. You could, you know, just rest it against a tree. But you put it on the side where the shadow is on the person's face and aim it back at the face. So when the sun hits it, it's sending light back to the other side of the face and acts like flashlight. It's creating light on that side of the face. They they can work very well. They're not ideal in all situations. Sometimes you do need to use flash. Well, most of the times you do. The plus of this, of using flash, is that you're going to get catch lights in the eyes of your subjects. And that just transforms portraiture once you get the good catch light in someone's eyes. Yeah, shooting on a uh, an overcast day is all well and good, but you don't get the catch lights like you do when you're shooting with flash. Try to book your outdoor sessions so that the end of the shoot is at sunset. So it coincides with the end of the day. Not right at the end of the day. You want 15, 20 minutes to spare just in case you need to work on something a bit more. But shooting a portrait with a sunset as your backdrop and the subject, the family, is lit with flash, 
it's a surefire way to impress anybody. The images always look so cool. And timing, getting them to concentrate long enough while the sun is just setting. Don't give up just because you got one nice one. Some of the best light is just as the sun's disappearing. So give that a try. So book your, try and book your sessions outdoors for the end of the day if you know there's going to be a sunset. On a cloudy, rainy day, it's probably not going to happen. But you'll figure it out. It's not that difficult. All right. Pricing and sales. Like all photography businesses, you're going to need some free sessions to get your images for your portfolio. I've discussed it in lots of other different podcasts we've done. The quickest way to get a portfolio put together is offer your work for free. Even if it's family, neighbors, someone down the shop. Around here we have Kijiji or Craigslist. Put an ad on there. Just because someone replies, don't use them. Get them to send you a snap of them a little selfie of the people involved. You're giving this away for free. It's to promote you. You don't want, sounds awful, but you want a good model for your portfolio initially. You're doing this for free so you can get picky. If you don't think it's going to work out, don't pick them. If it's a young couple and they're really attractive, jump all over them. I know it sounds awful, but this is for promotion. Now, your other option to get free models is Model Mayhem. Uh, There's a few others, but if you look at Model Mayhem, there's lots of amateur models and some professional ones on there. They will work for free if you supply them with images for their portfolio. There's lots of options out there. Just make sure that your promotional work, your initial portfolio stuff is top-notch and everything looks nice. So once you've got a few sessions under your belt, maybe three or four or even two, depends on how it goes. You do some free ones and then you start charging. Just charge a small amount at first, you know, even if it's 50 to $100 for a photo shoot and they get all the images. Just do it. You're building up skills. You need someone to practice on. And if you can make a little bit of money while you're doing it, all the better. Keep increasing your prices every month until you become profitable. Now, I did a podcast episode on pricing and also a blog post There's a pricing spreadsheet in the members area to help you find out what your break-even point is. And like I said before, the membership's free at 50millimeterframework.com. Get over there, sign up, and you can put all your information in. It'll tell you how much you need to charge for every shoot, and you can figure out how many shoots you want to do a week. It's all in there. So by using this spreadsheet, you're going to know exactly how much you need to earn. So if you just keep increasing at a slow rate, And once the bookings start coming in, keep putting the prices up until you hit your spot. Then you will be making enough to go professional. It's really simple. Well, I say it's really simple. Just (laughs) it's simple on paper. So when you're starting out, just do digital files. Don't get complicated for whatever money they charge for the one hour shoot or two hour shoot, whatever they want to pay for. Just give them the images on a thumb drive. But at a later date, like I say, you're going to keep putting your prices up. Start offering products. You start offering products like frame prints, canvases, albums and books. There's lots of other stuff you can do as well. Maybe if you're three months in, start doing that. Always charge a session fee. Don't ever let anyone just book you and don't put a deposit down or you like a session fee. Don't ever let anyone do that because they won't turn up and you'll just be stood at a location waiting for these people who've got no money in the game and it doesn't doesn't bother them at all. But you put 50 bucks, 100 bucks in for your session fee 
they'll turn up. And if not, they'll warn you way in advance because they want the money back. And the plus side is they pay a session fee. You do the shoot. They don't buy any products. You've still made money. So you're not doing it for free. But definitely selling products is the way to go instead of selling uh, files. Just selling files is not going to get you anywhere. People don't see any value in it. Even though they all want the digital files, there is no value in it. They think they're going to do all these crazy things and print all these things out that they don't even do anything. Most people just stick the thumb drive in the drawer, look at a few pictures on Facebook, and they're off they go the rest of their life. So you want to offer products. Like I say, listen to the pricing podcast, and uh, it'll bring you up to speed. Now, you might have heard of in-person sales. They call it IPS. In-person sales, it basically means that you meet with the customer a week or so after the shoot, show them the photos, and, and try and sell them products. This isn't for everyone. Now, there are techniques to break it down. You, there's all different levels of it. Some people do hardcore stuff, which is yeah, it's not nice. I tried it, and I felt very uncomfortable doing it. It takes an awful lot of your time and awful lot of effort. You're going to baby people through. Like Some people put in more time getting the appointment than they do going and taking the pictures and processing the images. It's crazy. You can wrap so much of your time up just trying these methods to try and get people to buy big ticket items. The other option is, now I've done this, I sort of peeled away from in-person sales. I tried it with weddings and it just failed miserably. People just wanted to pay a price and I, by the time it got to me deciding which I was going to do, I just decided I didn't like doing weddings. So I used to sell through my website, especially with all the sports photography that I did. And I used to watermark the images, meaning I put my logo on and some lines across the images so no one could do a screenshot and get them printed. I used to keep them in password-protected galleries. I used to use lots of different softwares to do this. There was nothing available when I was doing it. Luckily, I was okay with the computer stuff, so it allowed people to browse, pick which pictures they wanted, and pay for them all online. And it's pretty cool, actually. You go on your computer, and all of a sudden... Oh, you got three orders. There you go. Bit of money in the bank already and uh, you just get them printed and shipped out or if the local always deliver them by hand. So this way of pricing and selling reduces your hours worked. Like I say, if you do the in-person sales, it can take hours and hours and hours to meet with them, discuss their options for the walls. Like You can make an awful lot of money. But if you're just starting out, take a small step and just do it through your website to start with. Whichever way you decide to go, you need to make sure that you show what you sell on your website. Don't just post images. Always show prints that are framed or on a canvas or whatever products you sell. Let the customers know what the starting price is for each product. Like if it's a canvas, you might want $250 for the small ones. Put that down. Prices starting from. Doing all this will weed out all the people that want to pay a hundred bucks and get the images. You're not going to do that anymore, so you don't want to attract these people. Once you've got someone interested and they, maybe they want to know what your prices are, send them a send them a price list. Give them a password. Let them see what the price list is on your website. Even it's simple to set up. You don't even need a password. You can just direct them to a page that's not on your menu and have your prices there for them, and then they'll book you. Give them an option right there and then when they look at it at the bottom of the price list, make your booking now. If you use uh, calendar software, that's another good way of doing it. Yeah, they can actually pick the day they want. 
you can make certain days available and uh, let them book. The main thing is with these, don't offer digital files in the low section of your prices. You're going to keep the prices high. Maybe offer them free if they spend over a certain amount. So if they go over, I don't know, $600, $700, whatever you're charging, then offer the digital images for, say, 200 bucks. Don't give them free. If they, maybe if they go really high, offer them free, but give them options. But they cannot be in the low section of your menu. Your work's valuable. If they like it, they're going to pay for it. If it's simple as that. Don't give anything away for free. So like with most people, family portraits are probably going to be your first step on the photography ladder. It doesn't mean that you have to stop doing it once you find another way of making money with your camera. If you don't want to try anything else and you enjoy shooting portraits, then just go for it. There's lots of money to be made. Once you start shooting family portraits, don't be surprised when your customers start asking you if you do weddings. Your family portrait skills will be a really good fit for weddings and you are definitely going to be tempted. Just remember that weddings are like a family portrait session on steroids. Instead of a one-hour shoot, you're looking at 8 to 12 hours. Family sessions can be lots of fun, and once you've developed a framework, a way of doing things, they can be easy and really profitable. So don't think you have to add another type of photography. Family portraits are a great way of making a living, and there's a lot of good photographers that do it. All right, that's it for this week. Have a good one. Oh, and join the Facebook group. There's a link in the podcast notes down the bottom there. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.